0: Welcome to Murder Minute, on today's episode, part two of Killer Santa Bruce Pardo and the Covina Christmas Massacre. True crime is my passion, but even I need the occasional break. So when I feel like I need a mental palate cleanser, my go-to refresher is Best Fiends. Best Fiends has challenging puzzles, and it's a casual game anyone can play, but it's made for adults. You can spend as much or as little time as you like in the game, and it's easy. I'm on level 54, my favorite bug that I've collected. His name's Gene, he's a centipede. Best Fiends is a visually stunning puzzler app that takes the mobile game experience to the next level. All the good guys are bugs and the bad guys are slugs. Download the app free now. Build your team of cute characters, level them up, discover their special powers, and defeat the slugs. Join me and over 100 million people who have already downloaded this top-rated puzzle adventure. With more than 3,000 levels, you'll never run out of fiendish fun. And Best Fiends updates the game monthly with new levels and events so it never gets old. Whether I'm in the car, on the plane, procrastinating, or trying to shake off a bad day, Best Fiends is my must-play. Download the game and join the adventure today. Get Best Fiends now. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Bruce Pardo grew up in the San Fernando Valley in the 1970s. The son of an engineer, Bruce had a talent for mathematics. After graduating from John H. Francis Polytechnic High School, Bruce decided to continue his education at Cal State Northridge and studied computer science. Friends and co-workers remember Bruce as exceptionally intelligent and an attention seeker. At his Cal State graduation ceremony, he carried a life-size inflatable doll. Bruce then landed a job as a software engineer at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory at La Quiñada, Flintridge. But Bruce Pardo wasn't exactly a model employee. Once, a colleague recalled, Bruce hacked into the JPL computer system so that he could see his co-workers salaries in 1988 24 year old Bruce Pardo became engaged to one of his co-workers Delia Bruce was still living at home with his mother and didn't have much money so the bride pulled money from her savings to pay for a country club reception and a honeymoon trip to Tahiti but on the day of the wedding On June 17th, 1989, Bruce left her at the altar. His brother and mother waited with Delia for over an hour, hoping that Bruce would turn up, but he never did. The next week, Delia discovered that Bruce had drained the last $3,000 that was left in their credit union account. Whatever he felt like he did, Recalled Delia to the LA Times. There was no sense of responsibility. A few weeks later, Bruce returned with a tan. He was looking good, Delia said. Turns out he went to Palm Springs and blew all the money. Ex girlfriend Tina Westman described Bruce Pardo as like a big kid, goofy, and lovable. In the 90s, Bruce Pardo would often invite friends to party on his boat on the weekends. Bruce convinced Tina to join him and his friends on a rafting trip. When Tina fell overboard and nearly drowned, Bruce Pardo simply laughed. He didn't get the severity of what happened, Tina told the LA Times. He was very, very intelligent, but common sense lacking. By 2001, now 37-year-old Bruce Pardo seemed to finally settle down. He was a father now, living in Woodland Hills with his girlfriend Elena and their 13-month-old son, Bruce Matthew. According to her attorney, a week after New Year's, Elena returned home from grocery shopping to find Bruce screaming, holding Matthew in his arms. Matthew had fallen into the swimming pool while Bruce was watching television. Bruce sat by their son's hospital bed for a week. But when the doctors determined that Matthew had severe brain damage and would never fully recover, Elena and Bruce split up. Matthew would spend the rest of his life paraplegic. Neither he nor his mother ever saw Bruce again. In 2004, 40-year-old Bruce Pardo met Sylvia Orsa. Her brother-in-law was one of Bruce's co-workers at JPL and introduced them. Sylvia had three children from two previous marriages, And Bruce's friends thought that Sylvia was just what he needed. Down to earth, with a large family. On January 29, 2006, Bruce and Sylvia married. And Bruce bought a $565,000 three-bedroom home in Montrose. Taking on a $452,000 mortgage. They also bought a purebred Japanese Akita, who they named Saki. The couple seemed to have it all and settled into domestic life, living happily with Sylvia's four year old daughter. Bruce Pardo had finally settled. He was even a regular usher for Sunday Mass at their local Catholic church. Bruce was embraced by his wife's warm and welcoming family. And at first, he seemed to embrace them back. But it didn't last. After just one year of marriage, Sylvia told friends that Bruce had become cold, distant, and miserly. They often argued about money. Bruce refused to open a joint account with Sylvia and expected her to take care of her three children with her own finances. Sometime in late 2007, Bruce's mother, who had grown close to Sylvia and her children, revealed to her daughter-in-law that Bruce had a severely disabled son, Matthew, whom he claimed as a tax deduction, but didn't support. The revelation was the last draw for Sylvia. The couple separated in March of 2008. Sylvia asked Bruce to allow her to stay in their home while her daughter finished the last few months of kindergarten. But Bruce threw out all of her belongings on the driveway while she was at a niece's birthday party. Sylvia filed for divorce and moved in with her sister in Glendale. In April, Bruce hired a lawyer, Stanley Silver and said that he was hoping for a reconciliation. Silver called Sylvia's attorney, Scott Nord, but Nord informed him that Sylvia's mind was made up. Silver said that Bruce Pardo seemed to accept the breakup and told the L.A. Times that Bruce was never upset, he was always congenial. But Bruce's brother Brad noticed that Bruce seemed depressed. On June 13, 2008, Bruce drove to Gun World in Burbank and paid $999.95 cash for a 9mm handgun. On June eighteenth, a judge ordered Bruce Pardo to pay $1,785 a month in spousal support to Sylvia. Bruce had left his job at JPL and was now working as an engineer for ITT Radar Systems, a defense contractor, earning $122,000 a year. Sylvia was earning far less, around $31,000 a year, working as an administrative assistant for a flower company while caring for her children. Bruce's first support check bounced. He stopped payment on the second. On July 31st, Bruce Pardo was fired after he was caught billing fraudulent hours. He attempted to apply for unemployment, but his application was denied. Workers fired for cause are not eligible for unemployment. On August 8th, Bruce Pardo returned to Gun World and bought a second 9mm handgun. California law limits sales of concealable firearms to one per customer every 30 days. A month later, on September 8th, Bruce called his neighbor Jerry, owner of Jerry's costumes. He placed an order for a Santa suit, saying that it was for a children's party. Most of her customers rented costumes, but Bruce was six foot four and two hundred and seventy five pounds. He needed his made to order and requested that it have a little extra room. Bruce put down a two hundred dollar deposit and promised to return to collect the costume and complete the payment. Bruce Pardo then drove back to Burbank. And bought a third gun on October 11th he bought a fourth and on November 13th a fifth while Bruce and Sylvia's lawyers duked it out in the fall Bruce seemed to spend most of his time at home a few times a week Bruce could be seen having lunch alone at Montrose bakery and cafe he usually sat in a booth near the window, ordering the turkey or pastrami sandwich, and, for dessert, a raspberry danish, and keeping an eye on Saki on the sidewalk. Bruce spent several months applying for jobs in the high-tech industry, but few companies were hiring. Because Bruce hadn't secured new employment, and was having financial difficulties, the judge hearing he and Sylvia's divorce case suspended his support payments. A relief for Bruce, since he had been spending all of his money on guns. Shortly after Bruce was relieved of his support payments, an old high school friend telephoned. Steve Irwin. Steve, his wife and six children, lived in Iowa, and he and Bruce hadn't been in touch for several years. But Steve invited Bruce to come to Iowa for a visit and to celebrate Steve's 45th birthday. Bruce accepted the invitation, and when he arrived, told Steve all about his divorce. Steve told the LA Times that Bruce claimed to have been sitting at home and thinking about everything. Bruce seemed embarrassed that his personal life had unraveled, and that his firing and dwindling finances were on public display in divorce court. Bruce added that he and his mother were barely speaking, and that when she attended the divorce hearings, she sat with Sylvia's family. But Bruce seemed to enjoy spending time with Steve's children. He helped them with their homework and gave them change from his pockets. And when he left town, he left $7 under Steve's nine-year-old son's pillow. But Bruce did something else before leaving Iowa. He went to a gun shop where he purchased 16 handgun magazines. Each held 18 bullets. Magazines in California only held 10. When he returned home... He picked up his Santa suit, paid the remaining $100 balance on the bill, and tipped her $20. Bruce Pardo's plan was almost complete. He had five handguns at home, and a DeWalt compressor, a 50-foot hose, and a tank of high-octane fuel in his shed. As Thanksgiving approached, Bruce hung his Christmas lights. Then, a week before Christmas on December 18th, the marriage of Bruce Pardo and Sylvia Orza was officially terminated in a hearing room on the second floor of a Burbank courthouse. Bruce Pardo was ordered to pay his now ex-wife $10,000. She kept the diamond engagement ring and the dog, Saki. Bruce kept the house. The next day, Bruce walked into a Montrose travel agency to price a plane ticket to visit Steve Irwin's family again. He returned to the agency on Monday and paid $650 cash for a round-trip ticket. He would depart at 12.20 a.m. on Christmas Day and return two weeks later. He then called Steve and told him that he was planning to visit Then, Bruce rented two cars, a blue Dodge Caliber from Budget and a silver Toyota RAV4 from rent a He packed the Toyota with maps of the southwestern United States and Mexico, water, food, clothing, a can of gasoline, and both a laptop and a desktop computer. On Christmas Eve, He drove the Toyota to Glendale and parked it near the home of his ex-wife's attorney, Scott Nord. Investigators believe that Bruce planned to drive the Dodge to the attorney's house after the massacre, kill Nord, and escape in the Toyota. At 6 p.m., Bruce called Steve and his wife Michelle. Steve recalled that Bruce sounded depressed, but Bruce said that he'd see them all the next day. They promised to lend him some warm winter clothes during his visit. It's unclear if Bruce Pardo really intended to flee to Iowa. It may have been a backup plan or an attempt to throw investigators off his trail. Bruce Pardo's next-door neighbor recalls seeing him later that night as he and his nephew stepped out on their porch to smoke a cigarette. As Bruce walked by, he greeted them. Just the same as always, the neighbor said. He didn't seem like he was mad or anything. Bruce told them that he was off to a Christmas party. But then they noticed one thing that wasn't the same as always. Bruce left his black Cadillac Escalade and his white Hummer in the driveway and instead got into an unfamiliar blue Dodge parked on the street. At around 10 p.m., Bruce's younger brother Brad pulled up to his house. Bruce had agreed to go with Brad to a friend's holiday party, but Bruce wasn't home. Bruce was also expected at the Holy Redeemer Catholic Church, where he had signed up to be an usher for Midnight Mass. But Bruce would never arrive. Sometime between 11 and 11.30 p.m. on Christmas Eve, Bruce Pardo parked his rented blue Dodge and approached a brick home at the end of a cul-de-sac in Covina. Wearing his custom Santa suit, with boot covers, belt, beard, glasses, and gloves. Underneath were black street clothes, five nine-millimeter handguns, and $17,000 in cash, plastic-wrapped to his body. In one shoe was a printout for a plane ticket, and under his arm, he carried the compressor, wrapped in Christmas paper, and primed with high-octane fuel. This has been Murder Minute. For true crime anytime, download the Murder Minute app or follow us on Instagram at Murder Minute.